Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And I was like, uh-oh, I think, uh, I think, we've, I think we've created a monster here. And, um, and that's when, you know, because Rich, uh, Rich is using Kempers and he's not using live cabinets on stage anymore. Right. And just so in terms of having a quiet stage, that's where the decision came from is, is we want to, we want a quiet stage. So, um, yeah, yeah, so he, he, the decision was made to use the electronic drum kit. So for the, uh, U S run that we did in September and the UK run that we just did in December, I was using the, uh, the Roland V drums and, um, and it has its advantages. I'm not going to say it doesn't. And I would definitely recommend um, anybody out there looking into it. Um, you know, there was definitely advantages, but for the uh, for the Guardians, I, I enjoyed using the electronic kit, but I didn't really enjoy it using it for Fozzie. It wasn't terrible, but you know, I just that was one of that was also one of the reasons that I decided to step away was because I didn't really feel like I was being myself anymore, you know, cause I'm a loud, hard hitting drummer and I love, you know, feeling the, the sticks hit the heads and hit cymbals. And, you know, you just, you lose that feel, you know, and I just wasn't, I wasn't happy playing the electronic kit in Fozzie. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Drum for the Song podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. Today's guest is the fantastic Frank Fonseray. How are you doing, Frank? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thanks for agreeing to come on. I know you're a very busy guy. Um, for anyone who isn't familiar with Frank, brief introduction. Uh, historically, the, the band I, I know you for was Stuck Mojo and Fozzy. Mm-hmm. And I know you had another project recently called Guardians of the Jukebox, which sounded quite mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously you can tell me about anything else you want to mention, uh, you know, prior Stuck Mojo or whatever in a minute. But um, okay. yeah, so I played with you a few times. We luckily shared stages with Fozzy, with my, bal- uh, sorry, my band, Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to know a long, 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 long time ago, my old band squad supported Fozzy in the Patty Pavilion in Swansea, probably in the early 2000s. I mm. imagine you were probably the drummer then. Was there any a moment in time where you weren't the drummer for Fozzy? Or? There was a brief period um, in 2005, like 2005, where uh, they had another drummer. And I think they did a tour of the UK with him pretty oh, okay. sure they did uh, so maybe that was him but you know i did all the albums um and you know that was that was a very brief period where i wasn't playing in the band um so there's but that sounds that sounds right it, it, it might have been him not me um, okay yeah. yeah i i should have i should have checked the date myself but it was a long time ago for me i, uh, I don't remember faces as such but i was excited yeah, I'm, the... I'm, I'm not good by that either no <laughs> I was I was just quite excited at the time because 
I was, you know, I was a wrestling fan as a kid, mm. and you know, you know, being being a fan of Chris's and stuff, it was it was a big deal, and and it still is, and and you know, he's yeah. still going strong. Fair play to him; he's doing well, and absolutely he's st- still making music, and it must be great for you to be a part of that and to be friends with him because he seems like a good, uh, he seems like he's a hell of a good fun guy to be around. Oh yeah, um, yeah, really yeah. Good. He's he's a lot of fun. He's a he's a great guy, and uh, you know, I've got. I've got 20 years of, uh, you know, really good memories of, of, you know, being on the road, he and I, and, you know, all the other guys. And, uh, you know, there's a, definitely a lot of fond memories there. Yeah. 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 I imagine that's, yeah, this thousands and thousands, but, um, yeah, like what, this is a podcast mainly about drumming drummers, the life of drummers, other things that you do in your life. So how we normally start is just, uh, briefly talk about how you originally got into music and more specifically drumming. Mm-hmm. So would you kindly give us a, a little kind of a short sure. biography of yourself, I suppose? Yeah. Um, you know, I started uh, I started playing drums when I was 10. Um, you know, as, the, as a little boy, I uh, I discovered the Beatles in my mother's record collection. And I mean, when I was very little boy and, you know, uh, so I reacted to music right away. And um, I initially wanted to start out on guitar. I I. I became a big kiss fan when i was 10 and uh, i discovered them and you know just discovered you know the world of rock stardom and and you know the, the spectacle and the 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 bombast of rock and roll and and i just i fell in love with it and um i was i was really drawn to ace and ace and paul though for some reason i mean that they were like my two guys in the band and so i thought i wanted to play guitar <laughs> and uh so i got a guitar but i didn't really take to it i you know, I did a lot of posing in the mirror with it, but I didn't really ever learn how to play. And I had a, uh, I had guitar lessons with a really uh, not very good teacher, at least not to me. So mm-hmm. I didn't really take to it. And then I decided I wanted to move on to drums from there. And uh, as soon as I got given just a snare drum uh, with a pair of sticks on a little stand when I was a kid, I just took to that right away. I mean, I was just like off to the races. And uh, that later that year, when I was still 10, I got my first drum kit, which was, you know, no great shakes, but um, it was something to bash around on, which I really took a lot of pleasure in as a kid. And um, so that was, you know, I I was like a lot of kids who, you know, discovered rock and roll and thought this is for me and I want to do this. And, um, you know, I went through the, the whole thing of, you know, trying to find friends who played and, you know, looking in the local advert advertisements to find uh, other musicians and form bands with. And, um, and then I met uh, Rich Ward in 1988. Uh, he and I have known each other for, I guess, 20, 34 years now. And um, he, he and I, uh, we didn't get to play together actually until the early nineties because I was in a band at the time and, and then uh, he didn't form Stuck Mojo until he formed Stuck Mojo when I was actually in another band. And uh, I didn't end up playing with them for a few years. But, you know, I uh, I ended up playing with Stuck Mojo and um, they had a drummer before me who played on the first album. But then he subsequently left and I joined the band and ended up doing like all the all the records uh, after that in the late 90s. Uh, early 2000s and uh, we met Chris Jericho and 
1999 or 90, 97 or 98 actually is when we met him and he and he and Rich became really good friends. And um, we had a little project that we just did on the side for fun called Fozzy Osborne, mm-hmm. which was, uh, I always say it was kind of, uh, it was Steel Panther before Steel Panther existed. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we did like all the 80s stuff. We did the, we had the hair, you know, the wigs and the, and the costumes and the whole, you know, that whole shtick, which is a lot of fun. And, um, and Chris was like, well, I love that music too. I want to, I want to sing for you guys. And we were like, great. So he joined Fozzy Osborne and, um, we actually got offered a record deal by Megaforce Records and, uh, in early 2000 and dropped the Osborne and just became Fozzy and, signed with them and uh we ended up doing two albums of like 80s cover material and we had a whole backstory kind of you know like a spinal tap kind of thing um and then in 2005 we decided well let's just go ahead and be a band for real you know write our own music and and just continue on from there and um you know we just kept at it we just never stopped and you know come 2022 uh Fozzie's getting ready to be- release i believe it's eighth or ninth album wow um, yeah I- i'd have to i'd have to count uh <laughs> too many yeah. songs yeah but um and i i was with the band ever since except for that one brief period in 2005 where i kind of took a break and they had somebody else but uh you know early this year uh, i decided that uh i you know i became a father in 2014 and um, I have a really satisfying home life. And as much as I love playing live and playing with the band, you know, constantly going out on the road was starting to wear on me. And and I was losing my passion for going out on the road because I, I was never a big fan of travel anyway. I mean, I enjoyed playing shows and there was a lot about it I enjoyed. But the actual the actual being away from home and traveling was never my never my thing i've always been kind of a homebody and um so you know my son is seven years old and i didn't want to spend any more time away from him so i just decided that i think uh it's time for me to do something else and um i'm not giving up drumming by any stretch but i just don't want to be on a bus or on a plane anymore yeah i I can totally empathize with you I, i obviously haven't been touring for as long as you have or extensively or as internationally as you probably have done mm-hmm. but so, sometimes it gets to me you know when you're on that tour for the third week you're still on that bus in the same bunk in the late nights and and stuff like yeah. that sometimes I, i'm just like oh, i just want to get home now and, mm-hmm. like, and i don't have any children or anything but you know i am I'm, i've got my wife back home and you know she misses me i miss her so i, I can totally understand and after doing it for so long yeah, I think you know you've made a wise decision. You've got to go with what makes you happy, yeah. rather than think of the career or what the, what the band could do next. You've got to think of what what's going to be better for your your family and, and yourself. So yeah, well done for making that decision. Yeah, because- and thank you. And I don't want to make it sound as if touring was some kind of hardship because no. you know it wasn't. We got the we got the tour at a, at a at a decent level. But being away from people you care about is being away from people you care about, no matter no matter what, you know, no matter how nice the bus is or how nice yeah. the venues are or, or, you know, how nice the catering or the hotels or anything like that is, is. If you don't see your son for weeks at a time, especially when he's seven years old and he's growing every day, 
you know, all those things matter less and less. And uh, I was just getting to the point where I just wasn't happy. I would begin almost every tour um, with this really deep feeling of, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be away from him. I want to be home. Yeah. Just, just the separation. I can, I can totally yeah. understand. And yeah, you know, yeah, I know, I know what you mean, you, you know, you did tour at quite a nice level and well, I'll just, while I remember the last UK tour you just did in November last year, you were mm. on the same bus as we were a week before you. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's, and we had the same driver, Mike, who's a good friend of oh, mine, yeah. who yeah, funnily enough, yeah, he's amazing. Amazing guy, amazing person, amazing driver. Super guy. And it, but he was the bass player in my band when we supported Fozzie in 2000s. Oh, so, Mike was? Yeah, Mike was the bass player. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I guess, just, that, I guess that wasn't me because I, I, I don't remember that. So, no, it no, it might one, not have been. Yeah, the one UK tour I didn't do. Oh, yeah, well. shame, shame, shame. But yeah, I hope the tour went well. I know there was a load of sellout shows. Yeah. But it, looked, it looked great. And, um, and that's, that's some feat at the moment, I must say, because there's still a large amount of the population that are a little bit too scared to go to shows. And at, at, mm. at that time of the year, especially in the UK, there was a bit of a scare with the new variant of COVID and all that. And um, I know a lot of bands struggle to sell tickets. So you did really well yeah. to sell those venues out. So yeah. congratulations anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was really fun playing to, you know, to, to packed houses and, you know, selling out a tour you know, is, is a really good feeling. Um, you know, and I'm, I, I'm certainly happy to have been a part of that. And I, you know, I wish the guys well, I hope they have nothing but continued success. I hope yeah. they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, uh, you know, I, I wrote about this and, um, I mentioned how it's going to be hard to watch from the sidelines and it is, it's, ab mm. it's absolutely going to be hard to watch from the sidelines, but, you know, it was just, it was just time. It was time for me to step aside and, and explore other parts of myself. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, one of the things that I know you have chosen to do is to get into the world of art, which mm -hmm. I believe you were, you've been experimenting with anyway, with yeah. in a much better way than I do. I know you, you have old drum heads and old symbols that you used to decorate. And, um, I like that's much, that sounds really cool. I've seen a lot of them online, um, and selling them to, people who are interested in buying them but you've taken it another step further now away from you know decorating and painting on drum equipment to obviously mm -hmm. canvases so yes uh do, would you like to explain um kind of how you made that well what made you think that you wanted to try that first of all and i know you've got an, a nice new concept going for your new current project so sell yeah. it to everyone <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I've always been, I, I think I've always been artistically oriented and I have, uh, you know, I have artists, uh, one particular artist, my uncle, uh, Carlos Fonsere, who, um, is no longer with us, unfortunately, but he lived a long time and he was uh, a well-respected artist in, in Spain. And so, you know, I have that in my lineage and I used to, and also I have an aunt uh, on my mother's side who is an artist as well. And um, I used to draw a lot when I was a kid. I, uh, you know, when I was in school decorating my notebooks with his drawings and things like that. And um, I was always encouraged in that, in that, not necessarily on my school books, but I was encouraged in pursuing drawing and 
things like that. And like, uh, you know, a lot of people, it, it sort of went by the wayside as I discovered other things and I didn't pursue it professionally. And, uh, but it was, I think it was always there. It never went away. And I've always, I'm a visual person. I'm, I'm interested in, I'm interested in the visual aspect of things. Um, even in terms of drumming, you know, when I would set up, you know, if I set up my drums, I always would go out and look to see what they look like from the front, you know, yeah, yeah, to see yeah. if everything was kind of proportioned right and was symmetrical and, and things like that. And, you know, I could never stand if symbols were all kind of flopping one way or another. I like that they were like straight, you know. And um, so I think I, I have always had that visual component to my personality. And um, I had a uh, I had a job uh, several years ago, maybe 12 or 13 years ago. Um, outside of music where I was doing construction and whenever uh, we would buy supplies or whatever, like going through a, a hardware store, I would see things and think, you know, and I'd love to take that and turn it into something artistic. I'd like to take that piece of paneling and paint on it, or I'd like to take that, uh, you know, those tools and, and, you know, put them together, make something artistic, something visual with it. I always, that was always in there somewhere. And, um, so one day when uh, and on tour, just to, you know, to, to make a little extra money, I would, when I had used symbols or, or heads, I would try to, you know, sell them to fans, you know, autographs, that sort of thing. And yeah. one day it just struck me, maybe it'd be interesting to, you know, paint on them. I, I can't say that it was actually solely my idea. I, I think I saw somebody had done that and um, I can't remember who or where I got that idea, but. I thought, well, one day I need to just buy some paint and give it a try, see what happens. And then one day I just did. I just bought some inexpensive craft paints and had no shortage of broken cymbals and drum heads and just started trying, you know, just seeing what would come out of it and just found that I really enjoyed it. And um, that was uh, in late 2019. And was able to sell a few, which was really gratifying that somebody would want to buy them and, and started posting them online and things like that. And as I was looking around online at, at Instagram or just Googling artists and seeing what they did to try to get inspiration and try to develop my own style of doing things, I got more and more into it. And um, and it just resonated with me much, you know, to, to a level that I I didn't expect. and. Um, and so I just, I wanted to pursue that. And at first I didn't think about it as anything that would interfere with playing drums or anything like that, but it was just, um, it was just taking up more and more of my attention. And I just started to feel more and more passionate about the idea of creating something from the ground up or from the canvas up of my own, you know, that wasn't, didn't have any collaborative uh, aspect about it at all, which not that there's anything wrong with collaboration, but I've been collaborating all my life. And, you know, even, even then, you know, I was always, I never had um, a hand much in writing material because I'm not a songwriter. I can't play guitar. I can't play piano or anything like that. Um, I can sing, but I can't necessarily construct melodies. So I had very little to do with the actual songwriting process, which is I fine. See, yeah. Yeah. But um but this was something that like I could I could explore creatively completely on my own. And it was up to me to say what direction it would go, 
It was up to me to say when something was finished or not finished. And that just really appealed to me. And um, so, yeah, it just, it just, it just spoke to me. And I have this, you know, image of myself, hopefully, like my uncle one day when I'm a lot older, with uh, this body of work, you know, I would look at, uh, I'd, I'd look online and see these guys who are painters in their studio and just stacks and stacks and stacks of stuff they've done, canvases that they've done over the years just this huge body of work and so much of it is so you know incredible and i just think oh man i i want to participate in that to the greatest degree i can and um you know i'm still going to play drums i'm always going to play drums maybe hopefully i can integrate drumming into some kind of visual art form you know like yes have somebody cool. dump paint on me while i'm playing <laughs> you know but there's, um, there's a if you check out I, I'm I'm not very cool. I'm not very down with the kids, but I know on TikTok, there's mm-hmm. an account called TikTok Drummer, and he does something like that. And uh-huh. he's, he's got a drum set and there's paint pouring and it's splashing everywhere. And it's but it's really cool. But I'm not, you know, that might be somewhere to look for inspiration and do something yeah. slightly I different to what he's doing or something like that. I haven't seen that, but I should check that out because that yeah. sounds exactly. I've had visions of doing that myself. You'd look cooler doing it, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. But no, yeah, something that I th- it seems quite a few of my guests are also artists. I don't know if you know any of these guys, but Charlie Benante from Anthrax. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he's, a, you know, he's big into his art and he, he yeah. sells paintings and he's been on the show. Um, mm-hmm. And Francis Ruiz from Buck Cherry. Do you know Francis? Uh if he's the if he's the drummer for Buck Cherry when we toured with them and I and I you know we've met, um, right. so I mean not, forgive me if I don't remember. <laughs> I no, that's okay. You only joined the you know a couple of years ago. Um, oh, okay, then he, it's probably not the guy I remember. Not, okay, we toured with them in like 2015. So don't think he was with them then. No, but uh, anyway, he he does something. He's very very talented. I'll have to hook you guys up with your Instagram accounts and stuff. Because I, yeah. I believe you were, you were due to go on a tour with them maybe this year. I, it's probably got been postponed in Australia. It was supposed or to like be that. next month. Yeah. Ah. It was supposed to be Australia next month. And yeah. uh, that just got, um, I mean, I don't know that they ever announced that the tour got postponed or canceled. I don't know what happened with that. All yeah. I know is that we, you know, it just, you, I just heard like, yeah, we're not going. Yeah. Well, I think Aust- Australia have a very strict, um, policy with whoever they let in at the moment so yeah, yeah I, I mean understand. I, <laughs> I, I, everything i've been hearing in the news about what's going on in australia i would have been surprised that the shows would have been booked in the first place yeah me yeah it seemed a bit odd but i guess you, you yeah. might as well try it as long as no one pays any deposits and books flights you're okay if it doesn't yeah. happen <laughs> yeah i but, didn't have anything to do with any of all that so i just nah. was like you let me know where i need to be okay that's that's quite a cool thing and i i I'm quite involved in my band, but when it comes to like transport and logistics, I'm kind of like that as well. Just let me know what day we start and what time, yeah. when I'm going to be home. And then you sort the rest out. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't have it. I didn't have anything <laughs> to do with any of that. So, yeah, fair enough, man. But um, no, so I noticed that obviously you're not in the, you're not in the band, you're not playing music at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, but you want to make a living being an, an artist. So I, I know you've set up like a, a fundraising page in case anyone mm-hmm. wants to check that out and make a donation. So um, I can link it in the description of the show, but um, do you want to just kind of briefly explain how that works? 
Uh, I, I set up a GoFundMe campaign and I was hesitant to do it because um, when I think of, you know, crowdfunding um, and GoFundMe, I think of people who are, you know, in very, very dire circumstances with things like, you know, medical bills and, and things like that, raising money to, to, you know, just to keep themselves, you know, around. And so I felt a little bit, I was hesitant to set up a, a campaign, but I looked around on GoFundMe and I found a lot of people in my situation who are just looking to start over, quote unquote. And, um, you know, I don't, I, I was, I was a working musician. I didn't have, you know, s huge stores of uh, uh, financial reserves to just, you know, to just start over. And um, the whole idea with this was if I could raise, I, I, I did the campaign for $6,000 and it's, uh, we're about halfway there and I'm really yeah. grateful to everybody who's contributed. Great. But the, the, the idea was, you know, I want to live a, a life of creativity, you know, and I want to, I want to pursue that hopefully without having to constantly be worrying about how I'm going to keep the lights on. And the idea behind it was just, you know, if, if, uh, if you're willing to donate a little bit of money and if I could raise this $6,000, that lets me just, Keep my bills paid for a few months i can months i can pursue this and it's not like you know it's not like i'm ever gonna uh it's not like i'm trying to not have a job or something like that i mean everybody's got to work and i have you know there's there's definitely a lot of value in work but if i can get some headway going on this um for a few months i really feel like i can make a run at it and um and establish a, a i've got uh got a website that i'm that's a uh, e-commerce uh, it's, it's a gallery slash e-commerce website if people want to just look at the, the work i've done or if they want to order something a painting or whatever uh, i'm working on that and all of that takes time and just doing the the art the art itself takes time and um so i just wanted to get a little momentum on it and yeah. uh and i'm also i'm getting offers to do uh studio work you know drumming wise and Great. i'm going to be launching a podcast of my own oh wow um yeah. So, I mean, yeah. the, that's my main three things. I want to, I want to create visual art. I want to play drums in the studio and, and make drumming videos. And I want to start my own podcast. And, um, it's, uh, the GoFundMe page is just called help Frank start over. And I wrote out basically my life story and why I'm in the position I'm in and why I'm, you know, soliciting, uh, soliciting help with this. And that, the goal is eventually to move to a more subscription-based crowdfunding uh, platform like uh, like Patreon or something yeah. like that. Where That's people, right, yeah, exactly. Where people subscribe, and right now I just have to concentrate on creating content because you know I I have paintings that I've done that I have on my website to sell, and um, you know I don't, but I I don't have any uh, I don't have any drumming videos yet. I need some more equipment before I start doing that so i'm just trying to move from you know a touring musician who went, would go on tour and get paid to tour and and come home and you know and pay the bills and then wait to go on another tour again i don't have that option anymore so i need you know i need some stuff to get started and i'm just hoping that uh people will look at it as you know being part of the journey with me you know as opposed totally. to yeah, as opposed to just like you know uh, making a charitable contribution. 
it's uh it's if if you're if you're a fan thank you first of all and if you are interested in you know what i can do uh visually or with uh with the drumming videos or my podcast which i'm going to be starting soon if like if you want to be part of that and you're interested you know toss a few bucks at the uh at the uh, gofundme campaign and hopefully i'll be starting a patreon or something like that soon enough cool that sounds great and it sounds like you've got a lot of options there and you're going to be yeah you're going to be spreading yourself out a little bit which is nice with different avenues um but yeah you need the time to do all that stuff and like I, I'm lucky enough that, you know, I, I well, again, I was a working musician in a band mm. before the pandemic. I was doing it full time. But yeah. as soon as the pandemic hit, all the live income obviously disappeared. So right. I, I've had to get myself a, a part-time job. I started mm. this, like I do have a Patreon page. I, you know, I don't get a hell of a lot of money from it, but it certainly helps cover the time I'm sitting here on my laptop editing podcasts. The way I think of it is if I was paying myself, you know, if, if 10 pounds an hour or something, whatever mm-hmm. the, the minimum wage is, at least that's kind of covering my time to do that. Yeah, um, exactly. But obviously, hopefully you can get further than that. But I'm, I'm interested yeah. to know if you're, if you're willing to tell me what, what, what is your podcast going to be about? Because there might be other listeners to this that might be interested in yours. Well, um, <clears throat> it's, I, 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 I don't want to say I'm, you know, going to do like, basically what joe rogan is doing because he's (laughs) he's in the he's in the stratosphere you know and i'm just getting started but the model is what i'm looking at there's a lot of things in life that interest me you know that i spend a lot of time thinking about and there are a lot of people out there in the world um who i want to who i want to talk to and i the idea of sitting for two three, three and a half, four hours, really going deep uh, with somebody about, uh, you know, politics, religion, you know, the meaning of life, why, you know, psychology, why human beings believe the things they believe and do the things they do. Um, All that, all that kind of stuff really fascinates me. I've always been, uh, I've always been a very like, I don't want to say intellectual, uh, analytical person, you know, yeah. And maybe over analytical, maybe I think too much, maybe I analyze too much. Um, but I, you know, I listen to what's going on in the world. Um, if I watch the news or I listen to podcasts, if I, you know, uh, hear what people have to say so many times that I've heard interviews that I think, you know, why aren't they asking this question? You know, I, 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 I've listened to so many podcasts where I've like, man, I wish I was in the room because I want to ask you know, it's a question that just occurred to me that I think is really important and I want to ask it and I don't get to, and it's, mm. I want to get myself to a position, hopefully where some of these same people who I've seen, uh, having these discussions, I'll get to have the discussions with and get to ask those questions. Oh man, that sounds great. And, um, I can't wait for that to come out as soon as you launch your first episode, let me know. Absolutely. Hopefully I'll, I'll, cause I follow you online anyway, I will know about it anyway, and I'll check it out because. I can certainly add it to my list of varied podcasts that I listen to and struggle to find time to listen to these days because yeah, there's, there's so, so there's <laughs> so much content out there. There's so much, I mean, I just basically spend my day like, you know, looking what's coming through my YouTube feed and just, you know, just listening to all kinds of things. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's just so much, there's so much out there that interests me 
you know, about reality, you know, the nature of reality um, that I just want to explore and I want to ask the questions. Um, I, to me, questions are much more interesting than answers. You know, it's yeah, like they can be. I, I, I'm, I, I think of it that way, that it, in terms of life, it's answers aren't nearly as important as questions are, you know, because ah. if you ask the right questions, the answers will make themselves apparent. So that's the way I look at it. Interesting. I, I can't imagine my questions are going to be <laughs> like quite to the, you know, importance that you're thinking of. But I guess we're just trying to find out about you. Not we're not trying to kind of you know find the meaning of life or anything here. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I, I know what you mean. No, that's great. I we, can't wait we can, for that. We can try if you want. We can we can try to go there if you want. But how long have you got? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, man. That's no, the thing. But, It'll never be long enough. That's the problem. It's it's pretty surprising how long. You know, I've listened to quite a few of Joe Rogan's podcasts, and it's surprising how three hours can just go like a you mm -hmm. know, click of your fingers. And especially if you're doing something else while it's on. For example, I guess if you're making art, it's mm -hmm. the ideal thing to have a podcast on in the background, perhaps. That yeah. might, might inspire you, or just it just you can think about it while you're kind of doing your work. And yeah, they're ideal. But um, I that's why I was going to say I'm so grateful for anyone that chooses my podcast because there's mm -hmm. so many options out there so that's just a, a chance for me to thank the listeners because i know there's so much competition out there and um well i don't call it a competition but i just know there's a lot of content and i'm right. a very small fish in a large pond but anyway but, let's but go. the good thing is is there's so much you know i mean there are seven billion people in this world <laughs> you know so there's uh you know you look at a podcast like joe rogan's even as big as it is it's still like it's there's still far, 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 far more people in the world who have no idea who he is or or anything about his podcast, you know, and, um, Good point. and so it just it just goes to show you how how big the potential, you know, marketplace for ideas is, you know, if you have, you know, if you had 100,000 listeners, you know, like in the big scheme of things, that's, you know, in in uh in uh, world measurements, that's nothing. But you, I'm sure you'd be thrilled if you had a hundred thousand listeners. You know, I mean, oh, absolutely. Maybe you, maybe you do. I, I don't know. No, I don't. So I don't sadly, but um, yeah, I know what you mean. Well, you but, will, um, but yeah, but you know what I mean. It's like you don't have to yeah. worry about the the other. You don't have to worry about the other. You know, six billion nine hundred thousand. You know, just <laughs> if you've got if you've got your hundred thousand, you're good. Yeah, that's a good point. And then um, I was just just about to think actually your your mate mr jericho i'm sure he'll have some tips for you or some or some contacts to help you out because his podcast is quite successful yeah and i i believe well i was i was actually listening to it today it was an mm -hmm. episode about the the tiger king series two which is mm -hmm. a bit of a random one but yeah you know he know he knows the score he knows what to do and he, i'm sure he'll be able to help when the time yeah. comes um, well, yeah, when the, that's the key word, when the time comes, I've got a lot of establishing to do, you know, uh, by myself. I've got to develop an audience on my own before I can, uh, oh, you yeah. know, ha have him on. But, you know, I'll have him on one of these days. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you've ever been on his, have you? Because that would be good. I, I, I have, but not just as me. Um, I've participated because he does, um, he has guests on and, and, you know, he's had, a, you know, he's done a Fozzie podcast a couple of times where he's had the rest of the band on and cool. did a podcast with rich and i about stuck mojo and um so yeah i've done his i've done his podcast a few times ah great well well i you know i i would 
think I think it would be a great idea if you would have you on now with your new venture. And that would really mm. help, I guess, Fozzy fans know about it as well. And yeah, and I well, guess that's what I you mean, want. Uh, the day the day he asks me, you yeah. know, to be on a pod, then I know I'm on the right track. You know, because he's not going to ask me to be a guest on his podcast just you know just the way it is now because um, you know it's like he has you know famous 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 people on his podcast you know and yeah. um i'm certainly not, not going to i'm certainly not, not going to huh well i mean uh, yeah, yeah but but I know he does. that's that's his you know he has a large audience and he has uh you know big people on his podcast and uh, the day that he actually comes to me and says hey will you be a guest on my podcast and i know i'm i'm on the right track i'm doing well Apologies for interrupting this episode of Drum for the Song. I really hope you're enjoying it so far. I just wanted to take a few moments to tell you about my Patreon page. This is a place where you can support the podcast in exchange for some bonus content. You can head over to patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. There are three tiers available at the moment. One is £3 a month, one is £5 a month and the other one is £10 a month. Each tier grants you access to exclusive benefits, which include bonus episodes, early access to the main episodes, private Facebook group membership, merch discounts, discount on Motorhead Beer, as well as a monthly competition to win Motorhead Beer, access to Skype chats with me, asking my guests questions, occasional free gifts like drumsticks, free tickets to Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons shows, and your name in the episode description. If you regularly enjoy the podcast and think you would enjoy those benefits too, please consider signing up. If you didn't already know, I do everything for this podcast all by myself. So I do all the contacting, all the research, all the interviews, all the audio editing, all the video editing, all the artwork, all the uploading. I write all the descriptions. I build the website. Everything is just me. So essentially, the money from the subscriptions helps me keep a bit of time free during my weeks so I can continue making the podcast for you guys. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. Check it out and enjoy the rest of the episode. Drum for the song podcast. I don't want to go crazy talking about Fozzy, but you, mm. you did record a new album with yes. the band last year, which is due, due for release in April. Mm-hmm. I believe it's called Boombox. That's what I yes. can find online. Um, obviously, at, at this point in time, you you know you you may have had doubts about staying in the band. I don't know. But what was the the process like with the songwriting and the recording? Because I noticed the last Fozzy album, mm-hmm. so the one prior to this, um, I know you had a few big big hits off that as well. Um, mm-hmm. But it, I I noticed the songwriting was quite very, like more commercial. It was still heavy and rocky. Mm-hmm. But it, it had a bit more of a commercial spin on it. So I was wondering, had anything changed in the way you write songs or anything like that? Or is it just you decided yeah, well, to go in the direction? It's the collaboration. Um, most of that is the collaboration with Johnny Andrews, who's the who was the producer on the Judas record and who is ah. subsequently the producer on this upcoming record. Ah. He actually started working with him uh, as a songwriter 
in 2015. He contributed two songs to the uh, "You Want to Start a War" album. Okay. Uh, Lights go, lights go out, and um, another one called uh, um, something about ways to die. I, I apologize; I don't remember the name of it because it wasn't part of the live set. So you okay, know, you, don't, you don't go need back to know. and listen. You know how that is. It's like you know, certain songs come easy because you played them all, every tour, and then other songs never got played. So, um, yeah. but so he became, uh, you know, a kind of a songwriting. Uh, partner with rich on that album on those two songs and then uh it was decided that he was going to produce the judas album and from being you know because he's he's got a a huge uh backlog not backlog he's got a huge uh um body of work as a songwriter he's written with you know hailstorm he's written with uh three days grace he's written with a, a lot of these bands and you know, he has a string of like number one mainstream rock songs. Oh, and wow, okay. um, so he and Rich are, you know, became songwriting partners on the last record in this one. And, you know, he has a really, really, really strong melodic sense. And um, he just helped the band up their game in the songwriting department. And, uh, you know, especially when you combine it with Rich's ability to write riffs. Um so he really just helped take what was going on already and just take it to another level. And, um, yeah, so he, he had a, a big hand in writing all the material on the last record and then uh, on, on this one. That makes sense actually. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it is a really good album. So ch check it out. Um, for anyone Thank who you. hasn't heard that album and the new one obviously coming out soon. Um, the other thing that I noticed is that, bit of a controversial topic with drummers sometimes electronic drums mm. in a live setting in a rock mm. band especially and i believe well, the, the, the last few tours you've been asked to use electronic drums instead of acoustic drums or as well or what's the deal with that and well why, why was that it started as a studio uh thing we we got the electronic kit several years ago and i actually recorded all the drums for Judas and the new record uh, with uh -huh. electronic drums because in the studio, you know, you can record the MIDI and then you can sound replace and, you know, you can do all those things. And, um, yeah, you know, so we started doing that in the studio. Um, you know, so what you hear in the studio is you're hearing real drums, but they're just, you know, they're, they're laid on top of the, the MIDI signal. And a yeah. lot of people, a lot of people do it that way. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a real time saver it's a real it's a budget saver you know um so and i really enjoy it in this I, I enjoyed it a lot in the studio because you don't have to worry near as much about miking you don't have to worry about heads you know, drum heads backing off you know yeah. things like that True. um it, it made for a very uh you know a relaxed studio experience as far as the uh laying tracks is concerned and then uh so rich and i when you know we were playing together in the uh guardians of the jukebox band which is a 80s you know tribute to the the golden age of mtv 80s music um it only makes sense to play an electronic kit in a band like that yeah um, particularly when you're playing in some smaller venues and it just gives you much greater control over the sound and and i'm a i'm a very loud drummer Yes. <laughs> um, so it, it helped take care of that. And, uh, 
so we were playing with the electronic kit live with the guardians of the jukebox and then uh when we played at chris's birthday when the first jericho fest which was at his house um on his uh his uh 50th birthday in 2020 uh i brought both kits because we both bands were playing the, the guardians were playing and fozzy was playing Okay. And um, so I brought the electronic kit and I brought the acoustic kit. We were going to play the electronic kit for the Guardian set and then, you know, and also play the acoustic kit for the Fozzie set. And just from a logistical standpoint, it was starting to become, let's just use the electronic kit for both sets. You know, it's just, it's just easier for this yeah, show. Absolutely. And, um, and once we did that, particularly our front of house guy, Sam was just like, oh my God, that sounded so amazing. And, uh, and I was like, Oh, I think, uh, I think we've, I think we've created a monster here. And, um, and that's when, you know, cause Rich is, uh, Rich is using Kempers and he's not using live cabinets on stage anymore. Right. And just so in terms of having a quiet stage, that's where the decision came from is, is we want to, we want a quiet stage. So, um, right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Understand. So it, he the decision was made to use the electronic drum kit so for the uh u.s run that we did in september and the uk run that we just did in december i was using the uh the roland v drums and wow. um and it has its advantages i'm not going to say it doesn't and i would definitely recommend um anybody out there looking into it um you know there was definitely advantages but for the uh for the guardians I, I enjoyed using the electronic kit, but I didn't really enjoy it using it for Fozzie. It wasn't mm. terrible, but you know, I just that was one of that was also one of the reasons that I decided to step away was because I didn't really feel like I was being myself anymore, you know, because I'm a loud, hard hitting drummer and I love, you know, feeling the the sticks hit the heads and hit cymbals and you know, you just you lose that feel, you know, yeah. and I just wasn't, I wasn't happy playing the electronic kit in Fozzie. And, um, you know, so I just felt like I had kind of, you know, I didn't even realize, I didn't even know who I was anymore. You know, I was trying to be, and I, I think it's good to be the kind of person who can adapt. You know, I definitely think that adapting and, you know, being a, being a trooper in a band and being willing to try different things and, you know, and things like that. I think that's an important thing, but you also have to realize that if you don't, you know, draw a line in the sand somewhere and say, no, this is the kind of player that I am, you'll, mm. you'll lose who you are, you know? And I, that's what I was starting to do. I was like, I, I mean, this isn't even who I've been all my life. You know, all my life, I was the guy who hit hard and was a loud drummer. And I liked that. You yeah. Know? And well, I wasn't that anymore. No. Yeah. Well, that was, like that was certainly part of when I got to see you live a few times. Mm -hmm. I was obviously watching you a lot, being a drummer. But it was like, yeah, right. it was, you know, really hard hitting rock drummer. That's what you want in that kind of band. And I know you can still hit electronic drums hard, but there's only so much velocity you can get out of them. Yeah, because it's all well. You can hit you can hit them <laughs> somewhat hard, but you yeah. still have to you know you still have to be you know back off a little bit. And we were we would play. You know, we played some festivals on the those that last U.S. run, and some people would kind of, you know, 
laughingly be like, I was watching from the side and all I could hear was like clickety clack, clickety, clickety yeah. clack, you know, like it's so weird to see you up there playing and not hearing any drums, just hearing like wood hitting plastic or wood hitting rubber, you know? And, yeah, and so that point. was just like, that was, I wasn't, I wasn't enjoying it very much. So no. I, I, so, I, I don't yeah. want to, you know, I, I'm not trying to be critical and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but one of the, one of the things I promised myself after all this was that I'm going to be, you know, honest about the things I feel, you know, and, uh, uh I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to hold anything back. I just, I really wasn't happy playing the electronic drums. I have to say. Fair enough. Okay. I, I didn't realize you was potentially one, you know, one of the catalysts for you leaving, but I, I know yeah, that's not I, the main reason, but, um, yeah. Right. I, I well, was one of the main reasons that I, it was one of the main reasons that I was making everybody around me miserable because I was miserable, miserable because <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't happy doing that. So, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, what, from a technical perspective, I know you said when you were using them in the studio, you were using, I guess, programmed drum sounds on top via MIDI. So live, were you using the built-in sounds on the, on the, the, the drum module itself or were you yeah. using program drums? No, we were using, um, we were using, uh, uh, the, just the brain, the Roland, uh, TD 30 okay. brain. And we were yeah. just using a kit that we constructed. Uh, it was basically one of the, one of the kits that was already on there. We just, we modified the snare drum somewhat. Um, okay. and, uh, so, you know, I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that, the the idea is to is to take that even further um hmm. you know to to really kind of construct a custom drum sound with with that and uh, just the, the the module is amazing um you know the what you can do with it is yeah. you know is just incredible and um but part of the problem with that is it's a big learning curve and i've never been a technical guy i i've never you know i still there's so much about the uh, technical side of of uh, of playing, as far as like, you know, I'm not good with mics. I'm not good with. I don't know how to use Pro Tools, you know. And no, me. <laughs> that's you know that's probably to my detriment. But I've just never, I've never been that guy. I've always just been the you know, put sticks in my hand and let me go, you know. Yeah. And um, so I'm not saying that that's necessarily a good thing, but that's that's always who I was and. This was such a big learning curve, and I just, unfortunately, I didn't really have a, a real passion to learn it, you know, to, to be that guy who could, you know, who can program an electronic drum kit. It wasn't something I was all that mm. passionate about learning. And it's not it's not as fun, really, as, as putting on drum heads and tuning a, tuning a real snare drum and toms. I, I really like all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But, to, but doing it electronically, yeah, it wouldn't really interest me and. And there's a few other reasons why I would never want to do it live personally. In in my band, it it was there would certainly be certain situations where it would probably be beneficial. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, interesting. Very interesting. I mean, it didn't. You know, it did have its it did have yeah. its positive points. I mean, you know, I didn't go through nearly as many drumsticks for one thing. You know. Yeah. Um, good point. <laughs> you know, I I saved a lot on drumsticks. I saved a lot on drum heads. You know. Um, yeah. You don't have to worry about, you know, when the snare is backing off and retuning it or the floor tom is backing off and retuning it. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah. 
the sound yeah. is consistent from you know from venue to venue night after night i mean so i don't want to i don't want to you know talk down about it too much because it does have its good points but if you ask me to choose yeah. i would choose playing acoustically yeah but yeah it's definitely easier for the sound engineer <laughs> so oh yeah, that, yeah the front of house guys you know they they're gonna love you if you play an electronic kit they're gonna love you for sure yeah yeah yeah. Oh, man that's cool so if, if prior to that what so we always talk a little bit about your equipment so what acoustic drums and cymbals were you using before you moved to the electronic kit i i've i've been endorsed by sabian since 1998 and that's all i've used i've never used anything but sabian since 1998 and um yeah i love i love sabian cymbals you know i still do and um i uh i was able to get an endorsement with d drum in uh 2012 and i've been using them ever since and uh, i've been very happy with them as well and um i use vic firth uh sticks i've had a vic firth endorsement for several years probably since about 2012 and um uh, so i love vic firth sticks i love sabian cymbals i love d drum drums um i use some uh i use uh dw pedals i love dw's hardware yeah um dw is my favorite hardware in the world i love it um and uh so that's pretty much it. Oh, and Evans Drumheads. I've been with Evans for for uh, several years too, and uh, I just I love all of them. I love Evans Heads. I love Nick Firth's sticks, Sabian cymbals, D drum drums, and uh, DW hardware. That's that's like my my dream setup. Nice, nice. Now that's good. That's good to know. Um, I want to before we kind of wind down and get towards the last few points of the the the, the chat. I wanted to kind of ask you what your biggest musical achievements or memories have been since mm-hmm. you've been a Tory musician that you can remember? Well, the, the, the biggest one was in 2019 when we opened for Iron Maiden. I mean, that was just, wow. you know, it doesn't, you know, unless you're headlining arenas or stadiums, you know, opening for Iron Maiden as a, as a, somebody in a metal band, that's, yeah. and especially the fact that, um, you know, we actually opened for Iron Maiden. Um, we got offered that uh, show in uh, when we were in Australia in uh, uh, 2018, wrapping up the uh, the Judas tour. And, um, you know, so it was like a year away. And it was like all we could think about for that, you know, that whole year it was like the Maiden show coming up. And um, so, yeah, it was at the uh, uh, Bank of California Stadium nice. in, uh, in L.A., 25,000 people I believe it was sold out um yeah and the everybody would just treated us wonderfully the the crew were amazing um you know the band you know were just you know very welcoming and it was just a it was an incredible experience and um uh long right. uh back in 98 when Rich and I were still in Stuck Mojo we got to do uh five or six those uh, special guests of Pantera, oh, which wow. was, yeah, that was, that was a dream come true. Um, Cause it was just, it wasn't a package. It was them and us, you know, it was like Pantera special guest stuff, Mojo. And that was one of those things that I was just thought, man, I wish we could do like a whole U S run like this or a whole European run like this with those guys. Though that, those are the two biggest highlights for me. 
was getting to do those things because it's the kind of thing that most young guys who play hard rock or heavy metal who pick up sticks or pick up a guitar, you know, that's just like a, a, a fantasy, a dream, you know, and yeah. I, got to, I got to do that. And I'm really incredibly grateful that I got to do that. Oh, that's, that's amazing. I, I, I'm not surprised. I didn't actually know about that, the Iron Maiden yeah. thing. I'm not sure how I didn't hear about that, but that's great. And um, I imagine being in, being in the band with Chris Jericho, like in his, in his world, he's a megastar. Mm-hmm. If you're not into wrestling or rock music, maybe you don't know who he is, but you know, he's a very, very famous wrestler. Did you get to do anything particularly fancy just being in, in his world? Like, I yeah. Know he, he rides on private jets sometimes and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was just, that was one time that the private jet thing we did, uh, when, when Judas was getting ready to be released, we did a promotional thing called Fozzie Across America, where we wanted to, apparently, uh, no one has ever done, or up to that point had ever done, like a band done three shows in three different time zones on the same day. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, somebody, people have pointed out that, you know, well, so-and-so did it, you know, they did three acoustic shows. No, we did three actual Fozzy performances, full, you know, full band, not short sets or anything like that. And uh, the only way we could do it was if we had private jet transport us. So we played a, we played it in Florida. We played in Fort Myers, Florida at seven thirty in the morning airtime, and then we played in El Paso, Texas, uh, three or three or so in the afternoon their time, and then we played in Las Vegas at 11 o'clock that night las vegas time <laughs> wow. and the only way to the only way to do it was to to do it with a private jet so that's the one time in my life i got to uh fly on a private jet and that was that was amazing that I mean, yeah 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 i i definitely i recommend it if you get the chance <laughs> to do it and um and then we've you know we've done some kind of cross promotion with with wrestling uh Bozzy has appeared on when Chris was with the WWE uh we appeared appeared live on TV uh as part of his um thing a couple of times Fozzie did and uh yeah so we we got to do those kind of things which are great I mean I'm really grateful that I've gotten to experience a lot of that stuff it was really fun yeah absolutely it's quite a unique situation to be in as a musician yeah uh, like fusing the two worlds and I get I get I don't know if you know my dad has been a part of that in his own way, doing the Triple H theme tune. Oh, I didn't know back. that. Yeah, yeah. So it was the mo- So my dad, I don't even know if you know. So my dad was in Motorhead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you knew that, yes. I, I yes, know yes, you know. absolutely. But um, so yeah, they did a few theme tunes for. I think they did three in total for like Triple H's kind of groups that he was in as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. they did. They performed live at WrestleMania and stuff like that. So similar to what you, what it sounds like you did. So. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of cool, and I guess, and I know he's very friendly with Chris, and they they take the piss out of each other all the time via text. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Chris <laughs> Chris talks about Phil a lot. He, he 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 loves Phil, and he talks about him a lot. No, that's cool. That's cool. I think um I think he left you a little gift on the bus. I, I hopefully you found out about that. Some beers or something. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he oh, kept yeah. it for himself. I don't know. <laughs> if it's meant, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, but, I'm not much of a beer drinker, so I don't know. Ah, oh, fair enough. Maybe yeah. that was why. <laughs> no, amazing. Well, um, 
Right. So I've got a question from one of my patrons, patrons, sorry. Sure. Um, that's one of the benefits they get for signing up. Um, mm -hmm. This is from Steve Hancock that I know he's a fan, he's a fan of Fozzie. He was going to mm -hmm. go and see you on the recent tour. And I think there was, there was a cancellation or two. And unfortunately one of the shows he was going to do was canceled. So I'm unfortunately, sure yeah, yeah. yeah, Notting, Nottingham. Yeah. Um, have you, got any musical bucket list aspirations so for example people are asking you to play drums on their recordings and stuff like that is there anyone in particular you'd love to play live with or record a song for any like dream collaborations well the thing is is there's so many i could name so many of them that it, it it'd be hard you know i mean yeah, it's like yeah. um just about anybody that i grew up listening to from kiss to van halen to you know, to Ozzy, to Metallica, to ACDC, um, you know, I would, I'd love to get a chance to play drums with any one of them, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to have to say that there's that kind of like one bucket list aspiration as far as, as far as that goes, because there's just, there's just so many, um, you know, that's fair enough. Yeah. So one of these days, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll get to do something like that. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm certainly going to keep myself out there. Hopefully the opportunity will, uh, hopefully the opportunity will arise. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot, lot easier now to do the kind of remote recordings. Lots of drummers are doing them. So if you, yeah. you can somehow set that up yourself and yeah. offer that out and yeah, that's what I'm, I'm sure. going to try to do. Yeah. I'm sure it'll happen for you, man. So that's great. Um, I got a very quick, quick fire round for mm -hmm. you. So, you know, the idea is, answer the question as shortly and quickly as you can. Mm -hmm. um, favorite food? Junk. <laughs> it's all junk. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I wish I had a more noble answer than that, but I'm just, unfortunately, I'm a junk food junkie. I love hamburgers and pizza and, you know, and fried chicken and ice cream. Unfor you know, I, unfortunately, I, it's, it's the bane of my existence is junk food. I, I don't have any, uh, I don't have any vices. I don't smoke. I don't really drink. I've never done any drugs, but yeah. you know, the pint of ice cream, it's the weak, it's my weakness, you know? So it's mine I'm as well. Actually sugar, sugar is my weakness. I have a huge sweet tooth. I love mm -hmm. sugar. I love cheesecake. I love ice cream. I love all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> food, unfortunately. I feel you, man. I feel you. Um, favorite movie. Wow. Um, I used to I used to have a top five that was like Harold and Maud, Clockwork Orange, Amadeus, The Terminator, and nice. The Exorcist. That ah. that for the longest time was like my top five movies. And probably I guess I could say I guess I could say that's probably still my top five. Um whether you know it's odd that Harold and Maud and uh Clockwork Orange would be competing for the top spot in that list because they're such different films but i'd have to say it'd be hard for me to pick a favorite between those two um, okay fair yeah enough. interesting interesting selection uh guitar or bass uh as in player no uh which instrument you prefer guitar or bass guitar oh i mean i don't know how to play either one of them oh. um but i guess uh i guess i'd have to say guitar you know okay but i love I love bass as well, but if I had to pick one, I'd pick guitar. Okay, man, that's cool. Uh, nylon or wood tip drumsticks? Nylon. 
Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Nylon. They, uh, I love the sharpness of the sound that they produce. And for the longest time, it was hard to find nylon tip drumsticks where the nylon tip didn't come off. But that but, was my, my experience with them when I tried them as a kid. So I've just never gone back. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Dick Firth, Dick Firth nylon tip sticks, those nylon tips do not come off. Okay. That's good to know. They actually, do not come off. Yeah. If anyone listening wants to yeah, try Yeah, anyone them. who's hesitant to use nylon tip drumsticks because of that, if you've never used uh, Vic Firth nylon tip drumstick, I've never had a nylon tip come off of a Vic Firth stick. Never has happened in my career. That's amazing. What, what size stick do you use? Uh, I was using the uh, I was using the uh, Vic Firth uh, American Classic Rock, um, yeah, and uh, with the with the nylon tip. And uh, when I started playing the electronic kit, those were a little bit heavy for playing the the V drum. So I started using the SD one Generals, which are made of which are maple. So they're uh, they're they're big sticks, but they're a lot lighter. And, you know, yeah. less, less dense. And I've kind of gotten used to those. So yeah. probably switch between the two. If I go back to, you know, doing a lot more acoustic playing, uh, the American classic rock is my favorite. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, I hate asking this, but sometimes people answer interestingly, John Bonham or Neil Peart. Oh man. Wow. That's like yeah. different that's styles. Like, so do you like, which do you prefer, ice cream or cheesecake? You know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I guess I, if I, if you if you you know put a gun to my head, I would say John Bonham because I feel a little bit more of a kindred spirit to him in in terms of you know pocket and groove, yeah, and stuff like that. Um, you know, he was just such a fantastic groove player. Um, you know, of course, Neil Peart was who he was, and you know, there's. There's no replacing him, but I, if you, you know, if you made me pick, I would say John Bonham, but I love them both. Okay. Fair enough. I think I know the answer to the next one, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. It's a tough one too. Oh, okay. That is a tough one too, because I love them, but ah. to be perfectly honest, I, I'm not going to claim to be an aficionado of either band. Okay. Um, you know, I don't have the, I'm, I'm not the deep, deep, deep fan of either band that so many people are. Um, I guess I would probably say the Beatles, um, but you know, the Rolling Stones are so amazing too. Uh, I got to see them for the very first time, uh, just recently in, uh, in November, they came to Atlanta and, and Jericho is nice enough to take us all. So he and, uh, Rich and Billy and, and I, um, got to see them, uh, here in Atlanta, and in an amazing spot, you know, it was a Mercedes Benz stadium and we were right down, like on the floor, right next to like the, the, uh, I guess you could call it the ego ramp that goes from the stage way out into the crowd. We were like right up against the barricade for that. Amazing. And, um, I had never seen the Rolling Stones in my life. And when they came on stage, you know, just to see these people that are so legendary, you know, they're just so a part of your mental landscape because you've seen so much about them you've seen so many photos videos movies everything about them and you've never and then to see them in person so close up you know somebody like mick jagger you know yeah. seeing somebody so well known to you you know like right there that was and they were just incredible show i loved it it was amazing um oh wow yeah yeah but you know i think that i think the beatles were just much more of like a 
kind of a, a paradigm shifting, uh, uh, not only band or uh, they were just, they were a cultural phenomenon yeah. in and of themselves. I mean, they didn't only change music, but they, in a way they just changed the world, you know? Um, it seems like when I, when I, I was obviously born a lot later, but when I got into them and kind of ran into the history, it, it yeah, they, I think they were, they were the biggest thing ever. Particularly when you think about the fact of what they were able to achieve in such a short period of time, the fact yes. that they, the fact that they broke up 50 years ago, you know, and yeah. They are as relevant. I mean, God bless the Rolling Stones, but you know they've had all this time to be releasing music and touring and building, building what they've built. But the Beatles did it in a, in less than ten years. You know, yeah. they formed in less than ten years. They were later. They were done. And fifty years later, they're as they're as relevant as they've ever been. I mean, that's just yeah. That's such an amazing accomplishment. I'd happy to give it to them. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand that, man. It's, it's definitely my choice as well. But I haven't seen the, the Stones live. I would definitely go and see them if they, well, if if you, they play. I, yeah. I would definitely, especially considering, you know, how yeah. much longer, how, how many more chances are you going to have? You know? Very few. Yeah, um, exactly. Fortunately, that's the reality. Um, yeah. uh, you know, sadly, Charlie is already not, Charlie Watts is already not with us. Um, so if I'd say if you've never seen them and you get the chance, don't don't miss the chance. Yeah. So, so I just realized, so you saw them after Charlie, Charlie Watts had passed away, right? Unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. So who, who was playing for them when you saw them? Was this Steve Jordan? Yes. It was. yes. Oh, wow. He's a great, who, drummer, is, so. who is incredible. Did just, it's such an amazing job. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't say enough about be no. able to go in there and play with the Rolling Stones and do such justice to that material. You know, yeah, it was fantastic. I I loved every second of that show. It was yeah. amazing. Amazing. I'll try and try and find some footage because I, I haven't seen any footage of him playing with them yet. But uh, great. Um, big or small venue for you? What would you prefer? <clears throat> you know, I, I wish I could be. I wish I could. Uh, you know, be a little more quick on the draw answering these questions. I know That's it's right. supposed to be a. I, I know it's supposed to be a lightning round, but I mean, there is. You know, there's there's the the positivity to both of them. I've been in big venues that sucked. I've been in small venues that were amazing. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, I I love that I've gotten to play. You know, arenas. I've gotten to play in, in a stadium, um, and I've played in a lot of small venues that just it's it's the vibe. You know, yeah, totally. It's like there, there's so many components to what makes a venue great venue or a not so great venue you know and i've played in plenty of small venues that just the way they were set up and the acoustics and sight lines and for for the for the musician playing the uh the 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 workspace the ability to get you know from the stage to wherever you have to go off stage you yeah. know there's there's so many there's so many factors that you know um, I guess I'd have to say mid-sized venues are my favorite. You know, you yeah. play in like a thousand seat or fifteen hundred seater. That's a really nice venue. It's just like you have the feel of playing to a big audience, but you still have that. Let's see, sorry, that feeling of intimacy as well. Um, 
yeah. So, but if I had to pick one, I guess I'd say big venues because they're a lot of fun. Yeah, man. What, how about pool decks on cruise ships? Do you like them? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That 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 situation is a lot of fun, but it can be it can be strange too. Feeling the you know being on stage playing and like feeling the yeah. feeling the sway underneath you. <laughs> so yeah, um, I've experienced that, and, and it's very strange to kind of keep your drum in balance when you know you're rocking back and forth, and the, yeah, and the drum stool is kind of where it is because you're right in the center of that ship yep. and if there's a bit of wind or there's a bit, bit of rockiness that can be that can be a difficult yeah. situation it, it can throw unique. you off a little bit yeah yeah it definitely, definitely can yeah man cool um favorite time signature to play four four yeah favorite <laughs> favorite rhythm section ever um cliff williams and phil rudd oh yeah oh yeah nice yeah, I'm a big Phil Rudd fan myself. Big inspiration. They were like, they were like concrete, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. No, they were very true. Um, this is an opportunity for you to name an underrated band. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. I was just listening to. I, I don't know if you consider them underrated, but I've been on a big cheap trick uh, bender okay, recently, cool. and. Uh, yeah, I've always I've always wondered why they weren't, you know, a far, far bigger band. I mean, I know that they made it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and everything, but um ah. the Cheap Trick has always been kind of perennial underdogs in a way, you know. And um so I'm not sure why they aren't a way bigger band like when they play, I don't know why they don't consistently play arenas to be honest with you. Okay, that's well that's a good point because they they had a band they know I know the name but i don't know much of their music at all so yeah i guess that would make them they would not they're not really on my radar so yeah i guess that would make make them fairly underrated yeah i, I can't yeah, I you, sing you any of their songs right now i don't know yeah do it do a deep dive like okay after we're done just listen to uh listen to the dream police album okay i will yeah, yeah. i think they're on they're touring soon as well so that'd be cool um favorite album of all time Wow. Sorry. That's another <laughs> tough one. Um, probably either. It's hard for me to pick between either Kiss Alive or Destroyer. Okay. Uh, um, but, though, you know, Destroyer was the first album I ever had as a kid. And I still love listening to that record. So I, I guess I'd have to pick that one. Cool. Cool. And favorite drummer of all time? Uh, there's another one of those kind of questions. There's so many Sorry. of them. <laughs> oh no no it's fine um i guess probably I, I guess probably uh alex van halen i think he has the best he's kind of got the best combination of all the uh all the aspects that appeal to me yeah um, you know that's interesting yeah 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 there's there's so many great guys out there but you know he's got great technique and he plays hard he's a rock drummer but he has a basis in jazz so he has you know some uh you know, some tasty uh, kind of jazzy elements that he'll add to the songs. And, uh, you know, he knows how to play for the song. Um, yeah. Yeah. He can, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's definitely, he's definitely one of the greats. Oh, amazing. Thanks for that. Um, so to end, this is what I ask all of my guests. So if you could create your own dream band, 
with yourself on drums, but the other members of the band can be dead or alive, anyone that's ever existed or currently playing. Who would you have playing the other instruments? Wow. Um... But not uh, the other rule is not including members of Fozzy or Stuck Mojo. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. Um, uh, we can we can put Robert Plant on vocals. Yeah. Um, put Eddie Van Halen on guitar. Yeah. And let's see, who would we have on bass? There's a lot of great guys out there. Um. Cliff Burton. Cliff Burton on bass. I think that'd nice. be an interesting band. Cliff Burton yeah. on bass, Eddie Van Halen on guitar, Robert Plant on vocals. And you on the I drums. Think, yeah, and me on drums. <laughs> I like it. Sounds I like good. it. Let's do it. Tell them I'm <laughs> tell them all I'm available. Yeah. <laughs> no, Robert Plant's still doing it. He's a, he's about. So um I think he, he lives around here somewhere, not too far from where I live anyway. So uh, Oh nice. Yeah, you should check out. Have you checked out his recent kind of solo albums from the last decade? Very interesting. I'll have to. I to be honest yeah. with you, most of the most of the music I listen to is stuff I'm already familiar with. I listen yeah. to for kind of comfort and you know familiarity. So, yeah. uh, but I'll I'll definitely check into that. Yeah, it's kind of a lot, lot of world instruments, and it's quite interesting. Very interesting. But okay. yeah, okay. Well, thanks so much for giving me your time today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed chatting Absolutely. to you. No, Absolutely. Been, My pleasure. Great. Oh, no worries at all. Um, so I, now this is the opportunity to plug your social media links because I know you've got like a specific art Instagram page and a drum or personal Instagram page. So do you want to tell everyone the tags for those, please? Yeah. Um, so uh, on Instagram, it's just Frank Bonseray and then Frank Bonseray Art are my two Instagram pages. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Frank Bonsere. Uh Frank, look up Frank Plays Drums on YouTube. There's, uh, there's videos there that are uh, from back in the day, but I'm, I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to start, you know, producing more drumming videos. Cool. And uh, frankfonsereart.com is uh, my website if you're interested in any of my art purchasing. And um, yeah, so it's, uh, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be growing that list in the next, uh, next few months. Amazing. That's really exciting. And, um, best of luck with everything. And I just want to congratulate you again for kind of making the decision that you have made to kind of go in, go down this path and I wish you all the, all the success for the future. Thank you. Thank you Absolutely. very much. Thanks, Dane. No I appreciate worries. it. Cheers, Frank. Take care. Drum for the Song Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drum for the Song Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please consider liking the video and subscribing if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave me a review or comment, that would be fantastic too, as it helps other people discover this show. Please also consider sharing this with any family members or friends who might enjoy the content. You can also follow me on social media at Dane underscore drums or at drum for the song or search for drum for the song on Facebook to follow the page and join the official Facebook group. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could purchase some merchandise from drumforthesong.com or consider supporting me via Patreon 
from just £3 per month for additional exclusive content like bonus episodes, video calls with myself, competitions, discounts and much more. Any additional support is always greatly appreciated, but I would like to give extra special thanks to my top tier Groove Master patrons whose names are listed in the description below. My name is Dane Campbell and thanks so much for watching or listening this far. If you're a drummer, don't forget to drum for the song.